The Open Source Creative Podcast, Episode 11, Know Your Audience. This is the Open Source Creative Podcast, a podcast where I ramble on about creativity, process, and open source software during my work commute. Alright, I'll admit that this episode is a, is a bit scatterbrained, but I, I think it's fun and still worth a listen. The main topic is, as a person who produces creative work, knowing your audience. And I, I talk about how it pertains to writing and television and work... And, yes, open source software. Also, I I have a pretty good go at a rant about small business owners and their dogs. Shit still bothers me. Ah, and in the news bit... Actually, by the way, do you folks find the news bits useful? Do you you like that segment in there? If, please, do do let me know. Anyhow, in the news bit, I mentioned the Libra Calendar project and the November 30th deadline for it. That deadline is for the artists. You can still, I believe, purchase after that point anyway, but the the point is they were trying to ship them out at the beginning of December so that you'll have them in hand when the new year rolls by. So it's 15 euros and it's it's looks like a fun project, so go go throw your money at them. As always, if there's something I say that strikes a chord, or if you want to if I ask any questions in the podcast, I do ask a few. Uh, you can make a comment about it on the podcast section of my website, monsterjavaguns.com slash podcast. Or you can track me down. I'm Jason Van Gumster. I'm on your favorite social media site. Just look for Monster Java Guns. And then you can tell me what you think there. I also have an email newsletter. It's a plain text light traffic thing where you can get early knowledge of, of anything new that I'm up to before I post it to any social medias or the blog or uh, even this podcast. You'll, you'll find out first there. And you can all subscribe to that on the sidebar of my site. Yeah. Alright, so on with the show. Oh, we're going to toast marshmallows, are we? Could be. Welcome to the Open Source Creative Podcast. I'm Jason Van Gumster, your host and driver. So, first, a little bit of good fun news. Actually, first thing, let me uh, let me thank people. I get a lot of good feedback. Uh, last week's podcast about user interfaces and and those sorts of things. I got a a lot of really good, thoughtful feedback on that, and I really appreciate everyone taking the time to make those responses. It's uh, I. I really do appreciate it. So I, I mean, there 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 are some disagreements we had. I'm you know not going to go too heavily into it because you can always read the comments if you want. And the biggest mis I think there was a bit of a miscommunication, and I, I'm I don't want to talk so much about user interface this week just because. Well, I, I want to talk about actually doing things. <laughs> so, but one thing there is a sort of a, a I guess a miscommunication or misunderstanding on on. Uh, last week's episode that I didn't make clear enough and that's the notion that 
in design, any design, doesn't have to be user interface design, it could be any kind of design. This is what I was, I was trying to say is that there are, there are principles of design. There are rules, right? There are, there are things that you should do. Now, this is what I was talking about before about uh, form and line and composition and, and you know, design principles. The subjective part is in how those principles are applied, and those, apl- those principles applied can be subjective if you're, if you're applying those principles for a specific purpose or for a specific audience. So that's really what I was, what I was trying to get at last, uh, last week. And yeah, I, I wasn't, I wasn't clear enough in, in stating that. So eh, no big deal. So going on with stuff for this week, first a little, little bit of open source creative software news. Uh, the Libra calendar project, which has six open source artists, artists that work in, in with open source tools. Uh, six of them are, are creating a calendar. I mentioned this a couple episodes back and that project is still underway. November 30th is, I think the artists deadline for their submissions into that, but it may also be the deadline for ordering a calendar or something. I can't remember. I'll have to double check the website and, and, uh, confirm that. And I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. So, so everyone knows. So that's a good thing. What else? Oh, QCAD. So if you happen to be doing CAD work, QCAD had a release, released 3.7.2 had uh, a couple cool, a couple new features going in. The QCAD's always been kind of an anomaly for me. It's, it's, there's some things that does pretty nicely, but I, I, I could never, never find a need for it for some of the stuff that I was doing, mostly because I think it does, uh, it's a, a little heavy in, in some spots and not heavy enough in other spots, but you know, it's out with new features and, and new toys to play with. So check it out and, and have a good at it, good look at it. The rest, and that's, that pretty much does it for the, the open source tools news. Beyond that, well, personal news, stuff that I've been doing. First things first, you, I don't know if you can tell from, from listening, but there's not a clutch squeak happening in the background because I don't have that car anymore. So downside, I don't have a manual transmission anymore. It's a, it's a, automatic but the upside is you don't get to hear my squeaky clutch anymore so hooray on all fronts (laughs) Uh, in other news i just finished a little animation project that i used a a pretty interesting workflow with it i think i'll I'll end up writing a a blog post or an article or something about it where i used blender's uh the grease grease pencil edit strokes development branch in blender to do rock this 2d animation by the way it's hand-drawn 2d animation so i used but i used blender's uh grease pencil with the grease pencil edit strokes branch and i used krita but i didn't use the animation development branch for krita so yeah in any case i I, actually turned out to be a pretty good workflow so when that when that animation gets released it was for a, a commercial spot so when that spot gets gets aired, I will divulge some some images and workflow tips about what I did to do that and where I think both of these applications, where, how this workflow can be expanded and applied and, and those sort of things. So I'm, I had a lot of fun doing it. So I'll be I'll be sharing some of that. The other little bit of news. Oh, the last little bit of news that I have is is Blender for Dummies is coming along. So 
if you are interested in using Blender for Dummies for or purchasing Blender for Dummies or, <laughs> or any of those things, it should be ready in spring of next year. I'm I'm on schedule with my writing, so that's good news. Alright, now on to this week's topic. So this week's topic it, it dovetails slightly in in into the UI discussion, but I really want to discuss talk more about the act of producing creative works. So the topic is audiences, knowing your audience, working writing for an audience, or not writing or producing creative work for an audience. And the reason why I want to talk about that is that I mean if you're if you are creating produce if, <laughs> if you are producing creative work and you intend for it to be viewed you're producing work for an audience uh, if you're if you're producing work that isn't intended to be viewed that's that's called a journal or a diary and and that's those are good things to do but it's it's a little bit you know it's different so if you're if you're if you're producing work that you expect other people to see you're doing it for an audience the question is whether or not you're whether or not you, one you're, re, you're whether or not first of all whether or not you know you have an audience and whether or not you know who that audience is and then the second part is is you know making sure that you're actually reaching that audience right now there are some people who are or fortunate enough that when they 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 produce work for themselves that their audience matches them, right? Some people, when they they produce their work, they, they yeah they produce the work just for themselves, and it's it's convenient and happy that there are enough other people in the world like them to support creating more work and be successful doing that. That's not always the case, right? I mean. The, that's a very fortunate sort of thing that doesn't always happen. Those people are are lucky in that regard. Not lucky. Lucky is a horrible word. They're they're. Hmm, what's the best way to put this? So if if you're if you're just creating whatever you like and it resonates with with a bunch of other people, then then you're you're fortunate in that you don't have to necessarily think outside of yourself. But that's not always the case, and that's. Not always the best thing, anyway. I mean, it, it certainly makes creating the work a little bit easier. Um, but even if you're if you're doing it with with the magic of the interwebinets as we have them, one of the nice things is that every niche has a home, right? Every niche, niche, every <laughs> every niche has 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 a home on the internet. Every every little, you know, fetish and well, fetish is strong, but I mean that's included. Every little fetish and, and interest and subgroup and subculture and sub 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 subculture <laughs> has has a place on the internet to gather and 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 do those sort of things. So knowing that an audience it's easier it's easier these days to assume that you know that that audience exists and it's a little bit easier to actually find that audience as long as you can define them but what a lot of people a lot of creatives have problems doing is defining their audience who are you creating work for in the commercial world it's easier right i'm i'm creating work for my boss 
Um, but you, I mean, you st- <laughs> in that respect, you still have to think a little bit beyond that, right? You have to think, I'm creating more, like if I'm, if I'm producing a TV spot for broadcast television, not a promo or anything like that, but if you're doing a TV spot, broadcast television, then you've got two audiences that you have to really, eh, two and a half. Your two main audiences that you have to appeal to are the people on the other end of the TV screen who are supposed to be convinced or persuaded or or called to action to do whatever's in the spot. But the other audience is your customer who is produce, you know, who's paying you to produce this spot. And you have to, you have to address both audiences, obviously. And the, the former is, is likely the most important, but sometimes the latter has things they want to see. I want to see it animated. I want to see, you know, a, a small time retailer retailers. I want to have my dog in the spot. Oh, what is it? Little rant moment. What the hell is it with small business owners and their damn dogs? I don't, I, 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 I love my dog and, and, and I like dogs in general, but I've got no damn idea why so many people running their own small businesses want to put their damn dog in their logo, in their TV spots, in their marketing material. And it's, it's for a business that has nothing to do with dogs, right? It's, it could be a, a plumbing company. It could be a car dealership. It could be a coffee beanery. I've seen all of these as small businesses wanting to put their damn dog as part of their marketing material. And, and, it's, it's the same thing people say about children. Children are lovely, but nobody thinks your kid is as cute as you do. Same with your dog. Nobody thinks your dog is as cute or as special as you do. So don't put it on your damn logo. All right. Sorry. A little, little bit of digression there. Just one of my personal pet peeves is, is and don't even get me started on talking dogs in TV spots. Ah. I've settled down. <laughs> Moving on. Sometimes you have to fill customer requests that do these, have these ridiculous things like put, a do- put my dog in my spot. And they're part of the audience because they're, they're the audience that's ultimately paying you. So, you, I mean, you've, you've got to do something about that. Either you got to convince them that putting their dog in there is a bad idea or you, you got to put the damn dog in there. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. And that, that becomes a constraint within which you have, you have to work. And I mean, I, I do come from the school that you don't have as much creativity without constraints. Constraints foster creativity. That's spinning back to the commercial world, right? The commercial world, knowing your customer is a bit easier and because either you're, you're, you're talking, not the customer, your audience, your, your customer is part of your audience and in the commercial world, there's enough study and background of this is the sort of person I'm trying to reach with this creative material, be it written copy, be it music, television. We, we've, I've gone over this, right? And in writing, even there's, there's, it's pretty easy. I mean, if you're, if you're a fiction writer in a genre, then, you know, you, there, you, you, 
the horror audience has a very specific set of tastes. The romance audience has a very specific set of tastes. And on the nonfiction side, the same sort of thing. You know, if you know if you're writing a book for uh, people who don't know anything about a particular topic, then you're going to write it with that voice. But you know who that audience is, and and you write to that. It gets a little bit fuzzier on the fine art side, right? It's it's ultimately on the fine art side, you're trying to reach an audience of. Well, you either you've got two sorts of audiences you're going to try and reach on the fine arts side. There's there's the fine arts community, which there's all sorts of ridiculous, crazy politics that gets involved with that. And there's there's collectors. You know, there's the people who are actually going to buy your work, and they may be in the fine arts community, or they might just be rich fuckers that want to throw money at things. Um, they, they, they come in all shapes and sizes. So on the fine art side, it's a little bit more difficult. But if you're, if you're producing creative work and it's not commercial, you often don't know who your audience is, right? If you're, if you're writing a book that's in a genre that you, you're not familiar with that genre, or you don't know what genre it is, or you have a cross-genre book, we're staking on the writing thing, comic books the same sort of thing. If you, you know, if it's... If it's something that you've 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 written first and you then want to try to figure out how you're going to categorize it, this uh, it's a great story. Who's going to read it? Don't know, right? Movies, animations, the same sort of thing. You know, if 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 you can't define your audience, it makes it much more difficult to produce your work in an informed way that will appeal to that that audience. And if you if you if you're doing creative work in a somewhat professional capacity, and by this yeah, I, I know I ranted on the word professional because I fucking hate the word, but I'm going to use it in this case as the definition for trying to make a living with your creative work, right? If you're trying to make a living with your creative work and, and trying to work in that capacity, then then a big part of the game is paying, getting paid for the privilege to do more creative work. That's, that's the name of the game. And some people choose to finance their creative work with a day job. And some people choose to finance the creative work with, by selling commercially, right? And so if you're going to sell commercially, you, you want to have an audience and want to know who that audience is. And I'll, I'll take a quick digression back into last week because apparently I can't not talk about it. Knowing your audience is, is not limited to, well, let me back up. Creative, creative production isn't limited to pretty visual things or stories or music or those sorts of things. It's, it's, it also includes software development. Software development is a creative process. It's highly technical, but it's also highly creative. Like a lot of art. Little another pet peeve of mine is, is the notion that, that I'm an artist. I'm not technical. No, if you if you're an, if you say you're an artist and you're not technical, that means you're fucking lazy. That's and you don't want to know the technical thing, which is all right. You don't if, but be honest about it. Don't say I'm not technical. Say I don't want to learn the technical thing. That's different. But but to say but to say an artist is inherently non-technical, uh, it's another uh, thing that grates at me. Back, back, backing up. All right, so. Software development, creating software, especially applications that get 
used, either user applications, there's there's creativity in that, and there's creativity in the design of it, creativity in problem solving, and, and those sorts of things. And in software development, like in a lot of artwork, the people who are producing it, they don't necessarily always know their audience. And here's the other thing about knowing your audience. There's the audience you want to reach, and then there's the audience that you have, or the audience that you do reach. Well, on the software side, an example of this is GIMP. So on GIMP, they, they, they actually did the smart move of, of writing a, a, a vision, software vision. It's their vision statement or mission statement. Or you have to, it's not that hard to find, but it's the, the vision for the software. And they actually wrote this down, which is step number one. If, you're, if, you, if you want to uh, work towards an audience, step one is defining that audience. And so, you know, the, the GIMP developers have defined their, their target audience as people who are using the software, their software in a, in a again, uh, I'm not going to, I hate using the word, but in a professional capacity, in a, in a, in a day to, uh, in a means of trying to do day-to-day work to make themselves money, right? That's, that's who they're appealing to. They're, they're interested in power users. And that's that's part of their the vision for their 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 software, and they wrote it down. The difficulty there, and this is a difficulty that, that runs the gamut on all free software po- uh, projects, I think, is because it's free, as in no one has to pay for it to use it. Because of that that zero dollars, that zero cost element to it, it's naturally going to attract people who are casual users, who are not power users, who are, you know, amateurs, beginners, casual users. It's going to have an attraction to them because it's it's a powerful tool that they can get for free. And so you're going to run into, that naturally brings up conflict. And this happens in the free software world, software development. So you want to create your work for one audience but part of the audience you already have is over here. So, for example, if, you, if you're a, we'll go to writing, right? One of the things they try to tell you uh, business-wise when it comes to writing fiction is don't genre hop. You know, don't hop from one genre to another. Don't, don't write romance and then write horror and then write comedy because it will confuse your, your audience and... and or if you get established as a comedy writer, then when you write, when you get tired of that and say you want to write drama, then it's a much more difficult, you're going to have difficulty in your transition because part of your audience is going to want you to keep writing comedy and part of your audience is willing to accept you writing drama and then you have to seek out the rest of your drama audience right so you're gonna get you have natural conflict and you'll have people who complain oh why are you writing drama i want you to write comedy and really they have no say in the matter it's your your only really option real option is well maybe maybe i'll make i'll write comedy later but for the time being maybe you should read something else and same with any sort of creative work if, if you're if you're making a a film or an animation for a particular audience, if you're, you know, if I'm doing a cartoon that's 
meant to be watched by adults, an adult, uh, watched by grown-ups. <laughs> uh, if I say adult cartoon, that, that's the wrong connotation. If, 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 if you, you know, make, a, make an animation that's meant to be watched by grown-ups, then there's already a culture of people who watch animation who are very young, so you're going to have, you're going to have headwinds going in that. You see that all the time in, in, in Western culture when it comes to animation. There's this, this predisposed notion that, that animation is, is a children's only game. So anytime somebody tries to do animation that has adult themes, has grown up themes, <laughs> it either gets pushed all the way to the, oh, it's adult, which is not necessarily the right place to put it, or you just get the, well, this, this isn't appealing. This isn't, they get, they get, people get upset by this, which is ridiculous, but that's just the way it is. And so in free software, you get the same sort of thing. You get, you have an audience that you want to, if you're, if you're making complex software that is meant for one audience, but you have, you naturally have another type of audience, you're going to run into complications and headwinds because of, of the, the, the different, different goals of those two audiences. And when you try to cater to one, you're naturally, you're naturally going to have problems because you're going to do things that, that aren't suitable for the other one. Now here's the kicker. All right. In your creative work, if you produce something for an audience, you know what your audience, you've defined it, you've written it down, you've, you've done that thing, you know who your audience is and you're producing work now for that audience. One of the biggest, Oh, let me back up one more thing here. If when, when you define your audience, when you define who you're trying to attract to your work, there aren't very many wrong answers except for one, everyone, everyone is not a suitable audience because if you aim to make work for everyone, you will invariably fail. You won't even fail spectacularly. You'll just fail and in the most boring of ways. There's only, the only wrong answer in defining your audience is saying that everyone is your audience. Everyone isn't your audience. Specific, your audience is a very specific set of people. Or cats, I don't know. It doesn't have to be people, I suppose. But your audience is, 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 a, is a specific subset of the population because it can't be everyone. Now, with that in mind, knowing who your audience is, you've defined it and you're, you've made your work that, that you feel caters that are to that audience. The next thing naturally is being comfortable with the fact that, like I said, everyone can't be in your audience. Not everyone is going to like your work. Some people are going to think it sucks. Some people, and, and, They'll, they'll say it sucks because they don't have the means of articulating the fact that it's simply not for them. Some things do suck. I'm not going to deny that, right? There, there are some things that are, that are demonstrably bad. <laughs> and I mean, it could be in, in form and function and, and those sort of things. So, I mean, if, if, if somebody designs a two-story house that doesn't have a means of getting to the second floor, that's probably a bad design. It's certainly not an effective design. And it most, almost positively 
does not address its audience of people who like to get to the second floor of their house. So it kind of fails metrics on all three fronts there. But, so th yes, there are some things that are, that are, that can be defined as bad, but I mean, even bad has an audience. It's, it's kind of sad in some cases, but even bad work has an audience. <laughs> and again, the magic of the internet is you can find that audience. And I'll go into this in a little bit. That audience doesn't have to be big. So that's, that, we'll, 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 we'll go to the, the other part of that. But the corollary to defining your audience and, and, and deciding what your audience is and who your audience is, is coming to terms with the fact that there are going to be people who are not in your audience those people may complain and they, they may cause a gigantic stink and then they'll, they'll trudge off elsewhere. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. For two reasons. One, I, I'm going to repeat myself, but one, the obvious one is everyone can't be in your audience. It's not possible. And even if it were possible, it would only lead to boring, look, boring work that everybody feels is eh. And who wants to create eh work? Uh, I'm not interested in creating meh work. I'm interested in creating great work. And great work is going to be work that some people like a lot and some people don't like a lot. On a scale of 1 to 10, the stuff that's going to be successful is likely to be the stuff that ranks at both 1 and 10. Stuff that ranks at a 5, not likely to be successful. It's, it's likely to be okay, but wildly successful, eh, not, not likely. Your work is not going to appeal to everyone. They're going to, your, your, your audience is, your work's not going to be, your, I mean, your audience isn't going to be everyone and that's, that's okay. Your audience is going to be smaller than the entire population of the world. The, and, and. And that's okay because one, like I said, it's, it's impossible to make everybody happy as much as we might try. And two, which is really the, the sort of clincher on there is in order to be reasonably successful, you don't need a large audience. You don't, you, I, if you're, if you're only producing five work, then, then yeah, you probably need a lot of people because you're not going to have a very passionate audience. But if you have a, a small but passionate audience, it doesn't have to be big. And and the numbers game of of knowing, you know, of, of being wildly popular for everyone, it's not necessary. It's not needed you can do great things and sustain yourself with a reasonably small audience. Yeah. So you don't, you don't need to have the, the notion of needing a, a, a large audience in order to be successful. When I count, when I not, let me measure success in a very specific way here. Successful means I can afford to keep producing more creative work. I can put food on my table, support my family and produce more creative work. That's, that's my definition of success. So 
Yeah, maybe it's a low bar, but hey, what, what, if you have a low bar, then it's much, much more likely you'll hit success. <laughs> In any case, it's a very old world, old media way of thinking to say you need to have wild success, to have large numbers to be successful. You don't need large numbers. You need small numbers that are passionate. And, and, and again, I'll define passionate as willing to throw money at you, right? And it doesn't need to be a lot of money, generally speaking, just consistent. And that's, I think, both on, on, on creative media and on software development sides, particular free software, there's some people forget that it's not necessary to have a large audience, that it's not even necessarily good to have a large audience. You want to have the, there's a better value in a, a passionate, small audience. And I guess that's, that's really the, the main takeaway I'm, I'm, I'm getting at with all this is if you know your audience and you work and you create work that that audience likes and you continue to create work for that audience, then you can be successful doing exactly that. And again, I measure success as being able to afford the privilege of continuing to do creative work. And maybe, maybe I'm, I'm misguided in that, but that's my thoughts. So episode was a little bit slapdash and, and bouncing all over the place, but I've, uh, I've gotten to work. So that's it for me. And maybe I'll go into this a little bit more later. In any case, you guys have a lovely week. I'll talk to you next week. Take care. Hello. You know, uh, that thing's liable to go off. Yeah, it could. Not so fast, sweetheart.